And so last week I talked about the dark side of the moon is just a term that was somehow one day as I was worshipping the Lord, the Lord just dropped it into my heart. I, I never knew what the meaning of the dark side of the moon is. So for those of you who weren't here last week, I did explain the dark side of the moon basically is the side that we don't get to see. It's the side that we don't get to see. It's there, but we don't get to see because the moon is rotating, on, is rotating on its axis at the same time as it orbits around the earth. And as a result of that, you will never get to see the other side of the moon. Everywhere you go, you only see one side of the moon, which is the nicer side of the moon. But the other side of the moon is a side where, in fact, they found one of the largest craters there, uh, and it's called the Atkins Bowl. It's a huge crater. But it's all one and part of the same moon. That the moon has got different sides, and it, but it's a part of the same moon, and it's very much like our lives as well. There is a side that people see that is good, that is happy, that is successful, that we, are, that we portray to people around us. But there's also the other side of us that we go through different, difficult moments in our lives where a lot of times no one knows. A lot of times, no one, no one hears or we don't really share about it or we just go through it. And this is just the part. It's all part and parcel of it. Not that that, that part does not receive or is impacted by the Word of God. It's just the part that is in us because we go through different things in our lives. So last week, I talked about when prayers, when, when the wait is so long. We talked a little bit about David and how his prayers took such a long time, his desires took such a long time to be fulfilled. From his, from his anointing to his appointment took 15 years before, before David finally became king. That's a long time. So if you think your 11 months is a long time, from January to now, your prayers are still not answered, your things are not still answered. What about David? 15 years before he actually see the fulfillment of his appointment as king over Israel. And that's a mighty long time to hold on to God's promises. We know we sing, we, we want to believe it with our hearts. Just now we worship the Lord with that song, I'm going to see your victory. Ah, we want to see it. We want to desire, desire it so hard. God, we want to see the victory. But how long? How long? Could it be one year? Could it be two years? If only God can tell us, okay, okay for this, this particular issue, right, it's going to take you 15 years. This one, this one maybe three and a half. Lah. This one, 12 months can already. If only God can, can be more specific with us, you know. But He doesn't. Lah. He's God. And He really works all things out at His time, according to His season and according to His will. So, those are the waiting moments. So, this evening, I want to talk a little bit about, what about unanswered prayers? Has there been moments in your life where prayers have not been answered? Yeah, good. I see, I see. I mean, if you've not had your prayers unanswered, you know, wait for a few more years as a Christian, sure, God, because there will be seasons in our lives where we pray earnestly for something, we desire earnestly for something, we... We, we, we want something, you know, not necessarily something that God has dropped into our heart, but we desire for it, we pray for it, we desperately ask for it, but yet, it doesn't get answered. Am I speaking to real people today? Yeah? I mean, I've had prayers unanswered. I have many prayers unanswered. 
And what intrigues me about this is that why some people are still able to carry on in their journey of faith so strong and so persistently trusting the Lord in every season of their lives, even though some of their prayers were not answered. And as you come to the end of this year, perhaps there will be some prayers that will be unanswered. Some things that will never turn around and that will not change. How do you respond to that? How does, how does a Christian then, do we then say that, you know, God is not good? Do we then say that God doesn't care for us? Does, God doesn't want us to be, to be happy. That's why, you know, He didn't answer my prayers. And very oftentimes, we may go through seasons where we do question, why? Why, God, why didn't you answer my prayers? And that's the reality of, of life. You know, if you think that God is here to just make us happy, God is here to grant us all our wishes and desires, then I think you've got the wrong person. The person you're referring to is Santa Claus. God is not Santa Claus. You know why? God knows from the very... God knows... From the very beginning, what's going to happen right at the end? Excuse me. And God is very funny. Okay, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, God knows what's going to happen right at the God knows what's going to happen at the end, right from the beginning of our lives. And He's got it all planned. He's got it all sorted. We don't understand it. We really don't understand it. And it is in that way that He works mysteriously in our lives. It is in that way that we have to learn how to trust Him in this journey. It is in that way that I'm always encouraged, especially by those who have their stories to tell and who went through difficult moments, but today they can still stand and speak of God's faithfulness and are still continuing to be faithful. Let's hear from some of these people today. Would we like to do that? Yeah? And let's, let's have our faith and courage today. I'm going to invite two, two persons out here whom I admire very much. I admire them because it has not been easy to go through what they go through. Um, I know many of us have gone through these similar situations as well, but, um, but really it's, it's not something that is easy. But today, because of what they have gone through and because they are still faithfully serving here in church, they are still faithfully found in the house of the Lord, not bitter, not angry, not struggles sometimes, hurts sometimes, misses sometimes but yet they carry on in their faith and in their journey. And may you be encouraged by their story as well. The first person I'm going to invite out is none other than Sister Julie Wong. Let's give her a hand. And the second person I'm going to invite out is none other than Felicia. Yeah. 
I, I, I even asked him to prepare tissue box because... Are you going to take... Oh, okay. Thanks, Chris. Um, it's, it was very emotional for me to even look back at some of the pictures and, uh, and go through some things, you know, as I was preparing this. Because I know how real it is to go through things in our lives and have prayers and the disappointments happen in our lives. Uh, I think a lot of you may not know most of a lot of their stories, but it's such a powerful testimony today, and I, I would love for you to be able to to hear it with an open heart and to know that really the Bible says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen, amen. So today I'm going to ask Sister Julie to share a little bit about. What she's been through, you know, Sister Julie has been such a faithful servant of the Lord in this church, an intercessor, one that has prayed for people many, many times, one who has seen many prayers answered uh, in the lives of other people and uh, in her own life as well, of course. One who has been faithfully flying off to missions, uh, you know, many times. And I tell you, every time she flies off of missions those days when her kids were younger, they, something always happens. Always, you know, the boys, something will happen, you know, and I still remember when they were much younger, we've seen the, the, the older two boys especially grow up. Yeah, accidents, and uh, there was a pile up, I remember. Uh, <laughs> and really, a faithful woman of God who has been there, who has gone all the way until today, she is still faithfully serving the Lord, still continuing to pray for people, still trusting God for miracles, still trusting that God is, uh, is, is doing great and mighty works. But if you can just show me the picture... Of uh, yeah. this is Norman. Norman is uh, Sister Julie and Captain. Mo well, yes, was <laughs> Sister Julie and Captain Wong's second son. He was uh, he went home to be with the Lord in 2016. So I want, would like Sister Julie to just share a little bit about your experience and how all that impacted you. Um. When he was around 34, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, inoperable, and uh, a biopsy was done, and they said it's cancerous. Uh, and it was a very difficult, and he survived only a year after his, uh, for a year after his diagnosis. Um, in, in that year, he went for, uh, what do you call this, uh, radiation and uh, cyber, cyber surgery for, for the tumour and all that, but it didn't work. And then he had to go through chemotherapy and radiation, and it took a toll on him. Uh, he finally succumbed. Despite the fact that when he was first diagnosed, he was very determined and he was very positive uh, that he would overcome. He would overcome. And uh, when he decided to go for surgery and biopsy and all that, in my heart, I really didn't want him to do any of those things, honestly. Because uh, 
I've seen people go through chemo and all, all that kind of operations and all that, and it, it kind of like uh, hasten the deterioration of the condition. But because he felt that he, he could fight, he was young, he was in his 33, even before, yeah, he was 33 at that time. He, he thought he had the energy because he was strong, he was healthy, you know, uh, he thought he had that, that in him and he said, I've got God with me, I, I can do it, mom, I can do it. And so, uh, you know, as a mother, you didn't want to say, no, don't do it, because if anything happened, then, you know, the, the fingers would point at you, you, you didn't allow him and therefore he, he went. So, with much reluctance, but I, I never felt any need to inter interfere in his decision with prayer. I have no, 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 no sense to say, no, stop it. So I just let him make the decision. I mean, the family, the, the, his two other brothers, his older and younger brothers were behind him, were with him, and they said, Mom, you must let him go through. You must let him because he's strong, he will be able to overcome. And uh, we prayed, you know, when he was going through this, I prayed and I believed and I had a team of people praying with me, praying for me, praying for him. People came to the house to pray. Um, and I felt in my heart, really, that God was going to heal him. I never had a doubt in my heart that God was going to heal him. But when the things deteriorated and deteriorated very fast after his operation, and especially after the chemotherapy uh, and, and the radiation, I, I still hope, I said, as long as there's life in him, I would not stop praying, I would not stop believing. Because God has answered my prayers before. And, but towards the end, even he, he told me, he said, Mom, God is going to heal me. You know, Mom, I, I have this, uh, God spoke to me. And God spoke to me too, that he was going to be healed. So when he died, it was, I let go. I did. I, I think before he died, I was with him in the last few days. He was in hospital. Um, when his wife was not there with him, I, I stayed overnight and all that. And, and the last night, uh, after the wife left to go home, she was very tired. My husband and I, we were the, in a room with him. And the doctor told us that it, it was the end of the journey for him. Uh, but I said, you know, Lord, you can do it. Even at the last breath, you can do it. And I still clung to the Lord. But then the, the Lord woke me up from my sleep. And I went, to, I went to see him and I said, Norman, I'm here, you're not alone. You know, your, your papa and, and I, we are here with you. And we could see his heart rate, everything went up. His, even his breathing, his oxygen level went up. And I was very excited. And then when I, I called my husband, I said, you better come, come, your son, you know, it seems to be uh, lighting, light, light, lightning. And my husband came and then, but when he came, he, he, the breathing still went up, the oxygen level went up. But after a while, we saw it going down. And then we saw him struggling. And then my husband and I, we, we held his hand and we said, Norman, we will let you go. And we, I want you not to worry about your son because he has, at that time, his son was just a year and a half, not even two years old. We said, we'll take care of your wife, we'll take care of your son. If you, if you want to go, you know, we'll let you go. We are not going to hold on to you. Uh, we want you to just go. If, if, if that's your timing, just go. And with that, you could see his breathing ease. And there was peace in his face. And it was with such sorrow we had to let him go, you know. But at the same time, there was no struggle in us. We felt the presence of God. 
we knew God was with us. We knew God was comforting us. And I, I just said, well, it's his time. It's his time. Shall I share about that? Okay, the days after that. But the days after, you know, during the wake and during the funeral, we, I could still carry on. But it was after it was all over when I had to look at his room to clear the room and everything because he lived with us in the last few months of his life. Then it hit me and I, I sat there before God and said, did I ask why? No, I never asked why because I've been a Christian long enough to know that if there's any problem, it's not on God's side. It's on my side, you know. And it, 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 you know, God, God cannot be faulted. He's a good God. So if there's any failing, it must be on my part, on our part. Yeah? And there were times when I blamed myself. There were times I said, maybe I didn't pray hard enough. I didn't have that faith enough. I didn't cry enough, you know, that kind of thing. I did. Then the enemy comes in. And I said, oh, and then I get angry with my son. Maybe he didn't have that faith also, you know. And, my, and I blame my other son. Say, you allowed, they, 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 they told me to let him go. You know, all kinds of things will happen to you. And you struggle. That's when the struggle begins, you know, at the aftermath. Yeah, the aftermath, the struggle. So there is struggle. The Lord, I mean, it, does, it was not easy and smooth sailing. There were struggles after that. Amen. You want to share how you how managed to get overcome yeah. those moments? As I said, I was a, a Christian for a long time after the, uh, before my son died. And there were things I have learned. First, no point asking God why. Yeah, <laughs> no point. Uh, the second thing was I learned, I, have, I, I, I need to say this, that I have come to that point in my life, even before uh, my, my son got sick and all that, that I've made up my mind that I will trust God no matter what. I will trust God no matter what. Uh, that God is always good. You know, the, the scriptures in, uh, I think, uh, I got it, in Psalm 140, that, that's uh, 140, 145 verse 17. That's, this was a, 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 a a message I heard years and years ago, and on, from that message, I made a decision that this is what I'm going to stand on. That God is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. So there were times when I, even I, I, I felt pain. I said, God, you are just in all your ways and you're kind. I know I feel the sorrow. I know I feel the grief. I know I feel the pain. But that is even that is kindness from you, you know? Uh, this, this scriptures, uh, uh, this is the one scripture I always came to when I felt very overwhelmed. Because I have already decided that I will never, never think otherwise. That God will always be just in all his ways and kind. The word was kind in all his doing. So I said, even in my pain, even in my disappointment, there was kindness. I may not understand it. I may not see it. But I am determined to stand on it. So uh, I think this helped a lot. This helped me a lot. We have to make decisions before we are faced with challenges. Yeah? And, and the, other, the other thing that God reminded me was, in, in John chapter 16, says, in this world you will have trouble. So these are one, some of the troubles. Say you, you, you will have trouble, but you can overcome the trouble. And so I clung to God and said, Lord, 
yes, I'm, I'm facing troubles now. I never had problem with my faith because as I said, this scripture that I stood on sustained me, sustained my faith. And I know that it's not me, but it's the word of God. It's the word of God and it's this truth. It's this truth that I, that I stood upon and which helped me all the time, all the time. And when I grieved, I, I did go to God. I said, God, I don't understand. I'm so sad, you know. I, I, I was very open with God. There were times when I'm alone and I just cried and cried and cried. And somehow the peace of God will come. I could feel the comforting love of God. You know, really, He does. And sometimes I say, God, I, I wish you answered my. I think you have answered so many of my prayers before. I've prayed, you know, I'm, he, I'm in healing room ministry. I've seen people healed. I've prayed for one brother in particular who was not a believer and he was healed. And, you know, and I said, why? Why? I, at that time, I did ask why. I said, give me some understanding. And, and the Lord just spoke, trust me. And so today, I'm still in healing room ministry. You know, I, I, I haven't given up on this belief that God is healer. That God is healer. And I know my son is healed. Amen. He is healed. You know, God has given me assurance. In fact, uh, uh, I had a dream about my son. And he says, Mom, I, I, I remember I was just think, telling the Lord, I said, you, you, you left a young orphan. You know, my, my grandson is an orphan. My... my, my daughter-in-law is a widow and all that. And then I had this dream about my son. I say, Mom, Sean's son is not an orphan. He has a father in heaven. And that again is true. God is his father, you know. So, yeah, it's a struggle. You struggle. But when the word of God, you put your faith and your belief in the word of God, it sustains you. God sustains you. His word, his word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sustains you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Wow. And that's the story of a mother losing a son. No matter how old or how young you are, to lose your own child is never easy. Um, and I want you to take note of something that she said. She said that you must make a choice before something happens. And that choice is a very conscious choice that you make today in your heart and in your spirit to know that no matter what happens, God is still good. He's still faithful. Amen? I'm just going to just have a seat just for a bit. I'm going to share a eulogy from a, a daughter that just lost her mother two days ago. Part of her eulogy. Um, this is... Irene Gunn. Some of you have seen her in church before. She, was, she worships the Lord extravagantly. She sits in front on Sundays. Last year at Watch Night on the 31st of December, she came out and she shared excitedly about God healing her from breast cancer. She was amazing. It was such joy that, that was oozing out from her heart, from her spirit as she was giving her testimony. This was 31st of December, 2018. Several months ago, we found out that she had a relapse. And it was a relapse to the brain. And uh, it was, so she started going for radiotherapy in the hospital. 
And when we found out, we went to visit her. And uh, she, she basically never really got out. But I got a copy of the daughter's eulogy. She read this eulogy, I think, on the first night. First night or second night. The daughter's name is Casovia, uh, right? She said this, she wrote a lot of things about how wonderful the mother is, how strong the mother is, you know, how, how she did a lot of things. Um, and how despite having cancer, the mother was a person... She said this, My mother was so full of life. There are a thousand stories and memories I have to tell of her, and this eulogy is only a little glimpse. She was a kind of person who was struggling to pay off her crazy medical bills, yet gave money to a young staff in her company who needed it to support her family. She was the kind of person who lay so weak in the hospital, yet started praying for her roommate next to her, who she felt was suffering more than she was. She was the kind of person that told people, I thank God for my cancer. No one says such things. No one thanks God for such things. Yet, she was grateful for the opportunity to use her life story to impact many others out there, touching so many lives, reconciling relationships, bringing people to Christ, appreciating every little detail in life, using what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for only good, good and good. This person will always remain the best version of my mother in my memory. She was the kind of person that told her daughter, her son, her nieces, and literally everyone around her that you are strong, you are confident, you are beautiful. You being you is enough, and I am so proud of you. She made sure to tell me this every single day, and she was with me until I started believing this for myself. Cancer does not cripple love. It should not. It definitely did not cripple my mother's love for everyone around her. And then she goes on to say this, In such times, it's easy to blame God for all the desperate prayers and cries for him to give mummy a second miracle from cancer. Why didn't God heal her again? Why can't we just have her around for, for a bit more? Why couldn't she make it for my wedding, which she had she and I so look forward to. The daughter got married two weeks ago. The plan was the mother would be able to go to the wedding, to witness the wedding. Mom says she lived for my wedding day, and yet she couldn't come for the biggest day of my life. But Sean, my husband, encouraged me that perhaps it literally meant she lived and she stayed alive so that our wedding could go on. Because her heart actually stopped twice, second time only three days before our wedding. If mom had given up then, I most likely wouldn't have been married now. All our plans would have been postponed. All in all, I want to acknowledge God's perfect plan and sovereign reign over our lives. Mom is really in a much better place now, free from pain, illnesses and suffering. I hope that you see this too that someday we will understand why God allowed mom to be taken away too soon. Wow. I read all this and I hear their testimonies and experiencing it for myself as well. 
I too lost my father when I was 15 years old to cancer. And I remember distinctively walking back home from school, Asunta school, back to my house in Tamanjaya. I remember the exact road that I walked and I remember crying out to God, God, please heal my father. I remember God's, the only thing that came to my heart was this, the song, a very old song from Don Moen, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And that was the song that comforted and lifted me up because in the span of eight months from his diagnosis, my father passed on. In the Bible, we hear about a man, like what Sister Julie mentioned earlier, David. He lost his son. He lost his son, whom he loved very much. And if you can show me the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 to 22. I'm not going to go through the whole thing with you. I'm just going to share just very basic four things that we need to do to move on. 2 Samuel chapter 12 talks about prior to this, Prophet Nathan came over and rebuked David for what he had done with Bathsheba. And as a result of that, after he left, Bathsheba was pregnant and gave birth to a son. And as a result, after Nathan left, the son was struck with sickness. He tells us that he cried and cried and he prayed and he fasted. He asked God, please, you know, don't let this, this child die. He didn't eat food with them and so on and so forth. Verse 18, it says, Then at the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw his servants whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servant, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And this is very interesting. David arose. The Bible says, David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house and he requested they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for your child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Then he said to them, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? And that's exactly what Sister Julie did. And that's exactly what we all did. Even in Felicia's mother's case, I still remember that fateful morning on a Sunday when the call came to one of us. She was in church in a GT state. The call came and said, where is Felicia? Where is Felicia? Then we were like, at that time, we don't really know who Felicia is. Like, you know? Yeah, no handphone, no nothing, you know. Felicia, who is Felicia? No, oh, that one, is it? Ah, oh, that one, that one. Yeah, yeah. And then we found out that the mother was admitted, was in the A&E in UH. And we found her and then somebody drove her to the hospital and, and she was there. And we prayed. We, everybody prayed. At the service, we prayed. We prayed so hard. Because while there is still life, we will pray. We will trust God. We will never know what could happen and what could not happen. So while sometimes when we go through what we go through, we will still continue to pray and trust God for that miracle to happen, for that, for that prayer to be answered. But when this, then this verse says, then he goes on to say, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. 
And then it goes on to verse 24. It says this, Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went in to her and lay with her. She bore a son and he called his name Solomon. I want us to just, just remember four things. When you go through times when you feel like your prayers are unanswered, and as they had shared this even in their testimony is this. Firstly, the morning after. The morning after. Okay? There will be a point where you will realize that there are things which you need to accept. That some prayers will not be answered. That sometimes some things will, will you, you can pray earnestly for all you want, but at the end of the day, God still has His way and He's still sovereign and He's much wiser, much kinder, and much more in the know of the big picture than you and I. There must come to a point where we know that he, he knows best, He's perfect in His will, He's perfect in His timing, working not just in our lives, but in the lives of all those around us. The question is whether, you can, whether or not we can accept that some prayers and some questions can never really be answered by our finite minds because it is done by an infinite God. And that's how what they shared as well. It's not easy. There will be some questions they will still continue to ask in the days to come that will not be answered. And you will go through that. But you just have to accept that you know that God is in control and there are some things which you will never have answers to. A lot of times, the will of God is always, always known only on hindsight. Only in many years later, when you look back, you're like, oh, well, now I understand why things had happened the way they did. You never could at that point of time. Secondly, it means firstly, the morning after, just know that there is a point where you have to accept that some things, especially when it comes to death, is a final thing. There is no way. There is no way for the son to come back to him. The only way is for him to go to the son. And there are times when uh, points of our prayers which we know we have to accept that these prayers will not be answered and it's time to move on. It's time to move on. Secondly, David had to choose to arise. It's always a choice. It is always a choice to stay and wallow in self-pity in anger, in bitterness, in frustration, in confusion, in sadness. But it's always a choice to arise. David chose to stand up. David chose to get up. People around him at that point of time were trying to encourage him prior to that, asking him to eat, asking him to, trying to take care of him and all that. But it came to a point where he himself had to choose to arise. No matter how someone tries to pull you up, until and until you come to that point yourself with your, with your conviction and how, what you go through with your God. I think, you know, like Felicia, if that time we kept on calling you and follow up on you, I think you have just turned you away even further. Yeah, you block call and, and, uh, <laughs> and end all our calls, you know. <laughs> so, there, there is a moment, there comes a moment in our own lives where you have to make the choice to arise. You make their own choice to arise to say, God, I will no longer stay in this because this has left me dry, it's left me sad, it's left me not understanding a lot of things even further than when we first started. <laughs> yeah. So he chose to uh, arise. Um, 
<laughs> I wrote this down. The decision to arise on and to take on whatever position you need to take is your choice. It's always a choice to continue to trust that God is not unkind, that God is not unfair, to believe that there is a purpose behind every unanswered prayer. Which I say to you again, a lot of times it's on hindsight that you will understand. Okay? And then, if you don't, you will continue to focus on yourself. Because if you don't choose to arise, you will continue to focus on yourself. David, in his sorrow, he did not care about anyone else. He did not care about Bathsheba. Bathsheba lost her son. It was only at that point when David cho chose to arise and, and chose to say that, God, I continue to trust you, I will worship you, that he could then start caring for people around him. He started going into Bathsheba and comforting her. And that's very important to, for us to remember. Because if you don't choose, the people around you are still going through that sorrow as well, looking at you going through what you are going through. That's why I am so encouraged by these two lives here. Today, as they have chosen to arise, Sister Julie has not stopped praying for people around her. She has not stopped caring for those around her. She has not stopped ministering to people around her because she has gone beyond just thinking about herself and, and how poor thing and how, you know, she lost her son. You know, why should I care for anyone else? Everybody should be focused on me. And Felicia today, in fact, just this morning, <laughs> she was with us and she goes into to doing migrant ministry to the refugee kids. If she continued to just wallow in her own situations, she would have never learned to care for others around her. That's why I am so encouraged by these two lives. Bathsheba, I'm sure, was also devastated. It was her son. She must have also been in depression. And I'm so glad David got out of his own situation and comforted her. Because so many people need to hear your stories and be encouraged by your faith and by your journey as well. Thirdly, you need to reassume your position. Reassume your position. Take back your position. A lot of times, as mentioned, the devil and the enemy will come on you and attack your mind, attack your thinking, and tell you that it was your fault. It was something that you didn't do. It was something that you could have done better. It was something that you could have done more. It was... It was, you know, all the, everybody else's, why did they make him do it? Or why did he make her do it? Why, why, did that, why did my mother even bother about that, dot, that girl? Why? Why care about her? Why, why go all the way and bring her to church every day, every Sunday? A lot of questions can come into. And as a result of that, we don't take on, we don't recognize, we don't remember who we are anymore. We are called for a purpose. David was called for a purpose. This was him. When he was mourning, he actually took time out from his position as king. He actually took time out from his position as what he was supposed to be doing and, and, that, and that authority that he had and all the things that he was supposed to do, the responsibilities that he had. You and I have a responsibility as well. 
And a lot and times when we go through moments where we feel our prayers are unanswered and we get upset, we actually are robbing ourselves from the destiny that God wants us to be in. I will not allow God's plan for my life to be sabotaged by a situation that goes wrong because He is much greater than that and He will use whatever situation and turn it around for good. And there's a lesson that can be learned from it. So David went through that and he realized that he needed to reassume his position. And what did he do? He got up. So David arose from the ground and washed himself. He got up. He got cleaned up. Yeah. He got cleaned up. He got anointed again. He got anointed again. Some of us, that's why, you know, in Psalm 51, David cried out at that moment when he felt so convicted. He said, God, take not away your Holy Spirit from me, but renew me no, a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And that was what David said, you know, anoint me afresh again. Don't take away your Holy Spirit away from my heart and from my life. Don't, don't allow the devil to, to sabotage your, the God's plans in your life and his anointing upon your life to do what you need to do. He got changed from his mourning clothes to his kingly robes again. And you and I, some of us here need to be reminded, get changed. Get changed out of the mourning and the sackcloth and it's time. Mourning will last for a, light, a night time, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? And get changed and get worshipping again. It's so important to get back to worship. How many times I've seen these two just cry out before the Lord in times of worship, knowing that this is a place where that you can commune with God and allow God to minister to your heart and to your spirit. It's not all smooth sailing. Does she, do they still have issues? Yes. Do they still have problems? Yes. Are they still struggling to turn things? Yes. But it's time to get back to worshipping Him. And knowing that, yes, God, you are so good in spite of all the things that have happened. And finally, prepare for the new thing. If David continued to be where he was, upset with God, or in that mourning position, He would have never got up. He would have never comforted Bathsheba. And he would have never made love to her again. And he would have never had Solomon. A lot of times, I like what Felicia said. It's not, I'm done. She said, I'm done. But it's never done until God says it's done. If David were to say, I'm done, I don't want to believe in this God anymore. That's it. I'm walking out of my calling. I'm walking out of my palace. I'm angry. If David were to do that, he would not have seen the, the fulfillment of God's fullest plans in his life. And God's not done. Not yet. God's not done with Sister Julie's life. God's not done with Felicia's life. God's not done with my life. God's not done with the girl who shared her testimony about her mother's life. God's not 
He's not done because something new is happening. And you need to understand that there is a Solomon that is going to come. Something new that will come that is in, that is in, in line with his fulfillment and that is in line with all the plans that he has because he sees right to the end all that needs to happen for your life. Amen? And you need to trust that God's plans for you are perfect. God's plans for you are good. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future. Amen? God's not done. Your prayers may be unanswered, but God's not done. It's all part of the process. Amen? Amen? I want to appreciate both of you very, very much. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thanks. I, come on, let's give them a hand. Or maybe you can just pray for us as well. Just, just, just sit around in the front for a while. I think a lot of us here, I, I, I pray that you have been encouraged this evening. That it's really, this is reality. And the Christian faith is not one that, that God answers all our prayers. God, God gives us everything that we want in the way that we want it, in the package that we hope to see it to be. But he is still good. He is very good. As you end this year, as you start the next year, I pray that you will keep this in your heart. That you will make a choice today before anything happens even. Perhaps you're going through a very smooth sailing moment right now. But you will make a choice in your heart to continue to trust Him no matter what happens. You will hold on to a God that loves you. You will hold on to His Word. You will hold on to His promises. That all things work together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.